0: So for a lot of people, feeling well is something that they can't quite picture because their normal is exhaustion yeah, or their normal is feeling like the day is a struggle. So it starts with how do you feel and how do you want to feel? I'm Sarah Tobin. And
1: welcome to the Tapping Into podcast, the place to explore a whole host of different, natural, alternative and spiritual ways to change your life. My goal is to support you on your healing journey, whether you're planning to become a mother or already have children. Motherhood can often leave us feeling like we don't know who we are anymore. And this is the space to explore how rock bottoms and different modalities can often lead to the greatest joys. So get ready to come on a journey with me and enjoy. In today's episode, I chat with Thalia Pellegrini, a registered nutritional therapist who has transformed her own health with good nutrition through glandular fever in her teens, through to chronic fatigue syndrome, supporting herself in her own IVF and fertility journey through to having two healthy boys. And her postpartum depletion and how she supported herself during that time has now made her the knackered mum specialist. In this episode, we chat about that journey, about how she was dismantled by motherhood and how she's on a mission to give mums permission to nurture and mother themselves. Nutrition is not an alternative therapy. I love that line. Food is information for ourselves. It's how we heal, how we grow, how we thrive. She defines healthy, reframes treats, and we discuss long COVID and how nutrition is being used to support patients. We chat about the importance of sleep and how it can be transformed with nutrition. I ask her where do we start right now and she gives us some great tips. We also discuss about the fertility journey and how nutrition can support conception, pregnancy and then most importantly, beyond into the postpartum months and years. You can find out more about Thalia by joining her free Facebook group, search Nourished Mom Meetup, or visit her website thaliapellegrini.com or Instagram thaliapellegrini underscore nutrition and I'll put all of these in the show notes too. I've loved our chat today and I hope you love it too. Slide into my DMs and let me know what you think. Hi Talia, and welcome to the Tapping Into podcast. Thank you so much for your time today. Oh thank you so much for having me. I am really excited to talk about nutrition with you. It's something I suppose has been behind the scenes in my life, but never really taken a good solid focus. In the last couple of years, I have started to take my diet more seriously and link it more with energy and health, which is Something I think is a little bit, you know, breakaway from what we potentially have been conditioned to believe. And so, yeah, this is a really timely conversation for me as I head into my 40s to become fitter and healthier. And I suppose set myself up for a healthier old age, if that's kind of where, where we're going, really, which is reality, isn't it? Tell me first how you got into nutrition and a bit about your story.
0: Well, I came to nutrition really in my teens because I had glandular fever, like a million teenagers across the world, but I didn't get better. And my boyfriend's mum at the time was a dietitian. And she talked to me about, did you know that there's more vitamin C thalia in a kiwi than an orange? And did you know that passion fruit is so full of vitamin C, blah, blah, blah. And she gave me a book, which I've tried so, so hard to find again. And it was called Eat Yourself Well. And I read it and I was 17 years old, but I didn't get better. I I read the book. I I thought about what I ate a little more, but I went off to university and, you know, but I didn't get better. And I was ill all the way through university. I graduated. I was still ill. I went to see my GP lots of times and I was told you'll grow out of it. You have something called Epstein-Barr virus. There's nothing we can do. And I got a job, but I could barely hold it down. The fatigue was very bad. And with that came a lot of anxiety. And I just wandered into a bookshop one day in desperation because books have always been my solace. And I looked up at the shelves and there was a book in the health and wellness section that was called How to Beat Fatigue. And I bought it and I read it. And at the end, there was a list of maybe half a dozen nutritionists. So this is a long time ago. This is back in the late 90s. And it so happened that one of the nutritionists lived not so far from where I lived. And I went to see her and she changed my life. In three months, I went from my life being very impacted by fatigue to having so much energy, it was exploding out of me. And I never forgot her. And I went on to pursue my dream, which was to be a TV presenter. And I did it. I worked for the BBC for 10 years and had a great time, but I never forgot that journey. And I got to my early thirties and everything changed a little bit. We were having fertility struggles and I went back to nutrition a little bit and I thought, you know what? This feels like home to me. This feels so fulfilling. So I would love to make a change. And I retrained. I spent three years at college and I was a nutritional therapist. I qualified in 2009.
1: Wow. I mean, I've got shivers as you're telling me that story, like the impact yeah, that it had after so long living with, at the prime of your life too, when you, you should be bounding with energy and, and enjoying life. And instead you're probably anxious and constantly worried, is this going to last forever?
0: The anxiety that comes with ill health. So what I should say is that the, the nutritionist I saw said, look, this is chronic fatigue syndrome. It's very clearly chronic fatigue syndrome. What I experienced was not just the fatigue or the anxiety. It's what that stops you doing. You know, exhaustion Mm. is a thief. I was just having this conversation with a client yesterday who's struggling with sleep because she has a small child. Exhaustion is a thief. Energy is everything. It's everything. So it's about healing and resolving the causes of what's causing your ill health, your, your health symptoms, so that you can have that sensation of exploding with energy because so much can happen from that. So for me as a teenager at university, that meant I did not get the full experience of university. Of I couldn't drink. I couldn't have late nights. I barely, you know, barely got through my lectures wow. to get through my, you know, so looking back, I you know, heartfelt wish that I had found that lady five years earlier <laughs> because, <laughs> you know, that would have had a huge impact on my my life as a teenager.
1: Absolutely. Gosh. So you've really lived and breathed. And, you know, I find this with nearly everyone I talk to. It's like, we've almost had to hit rock bottom to find the thing that we're meant to bloody do in the first place. I think that's true. Yeah. And then, and then we're able to help so many others from that place of experience the the growth that we've gone through. So yes, it's amazing journey. And so you went into your fertility treatment. Did you support yourself
0: with the nutrition at that point? For sure. Absolutely. And my dissertation was on, ended up being about male factor infertility. That was the issue for us. But to obviously the IVF journey is very much primarily, I would say the stressor is on for the woman. You know, it was me going a lot of drugs. I was terrified of the drugs because I had been so ill in my twenties. I couldn't even take the pill. So the idea of all the fertility drugs was terrifying. So I really focused on my well-being. And you know what? It was smooth. I wasn't ill. I did really well. I managed my stress. I found meditation. I did all the things that I was being taught and I modeled it in my own life. And it was a really positive experience.
1: Amazing. Yeah, I think IVF is so difficult. But like you say, there are tools out there that can help make that process a lot easier.
0: Absolutely, no question. Yeah,
1: Yeah. And again, isn't it mindset too around how you transitioned through the IVF process, making sure that you
0: staying positive. That was huge for me. So I called in lots of other therapies to do that. I did not know about tapping back then. (laughs) I went to a reflexologist. I had acupuncture. You know, I was looking after my nutrition. Like I said, I was meditating each day. So all of those things, yeah, they really helped to manage just the anxiety and stress that went with that process for me.
1: Yeah. And I suppose now you're able to advise on those kind of tools as well yes. from experience with your knackered mom. So tell yes. me how you came to be the knackered mom nutritionist.
0: Just because that's what I was. <laughs> and that's who I was seeing. So yeah. the, the moniker kind of found itself really because so I graduated, I was pregnant with my first son and we were extraordinarily lucky, you know, IVF worked for us. We had our first son and then My boys are both miracles. And then miraculously, I fell pregnant naturally the second time, Wow! 14 months later. I had two boys under two. I had graduated with all this knowledge and all this enthusiasm. And I was, oh, I can help women. and I can do this and I can do that. And then I had my children and it was like everything imploded. My first son didn't sleep really at all. He slept for sort of 45 minutes at a time. He had severe eczema. I was very seriously chronically sleep deprived. Mm-hmm. then I fell pregnant again. My second son had silent reflux that went undiagnosed for six months. My well-being fell to pieces so I had to learn first of all to that my well-being was important because I was so grateful to be a mum because we had really genuine we had grieved not being parents. we had really gone through that mm-hmm. as a couple. so I was so grateful to be a mum that I poured everything into my son's. Mm-hmm. I left nothing for me and I thought that was the right thing to do. Yeah. It felt selfish to think, well, I don't feel very well today. It doesn't matter your baby needs you, you know, it mm-hmm. felt that felt like the right thing to do. And so I had to go through that process of understanding that my well-being is important because I'm the center of their universe. They need me to be well so that I can mother them well and also that they get the best of me when I am well and energized and happy. But that was a process and it yeah. took time. So I would say that I was dismantled by motherhood, <laughs> to be honest, I was, my health was completely dismantled and it was learning to put myself back together and learning how to do that. So I knew the theory,
1: yeah,
0: but doing it when you are raising two babies and, and not just, just when their babies arrived, <laughs> all of that, yeah, that was something I had to learn. And then once I'd learned it, it was like, okay, I understand this now, this is what I can share. And the women that were coming to see me were always knackered. And so Lack of Mum's Nutritionist was born. It was just a name given to what I was already doing, really.
1: <laughs> Obviously, there's a, there was a, possibly a gap in the market there for, yeah, someone to come in and really support the mum on her knees, you know. I suppose they yes. come to you in absolute desperation.
0: Yeah, and that's it breaks my heart a little bit mm. when mums come to me like that because they're burnt out. What I love is when a mum comes to me and says, I'm feeling a bit tired, I think I could do better, would you help? before they've reached that point of yeah. where they are you know really broken but i have clients who are in that state you know at the heart of what i do it's not just meal plans it's not just you need to eat this this and this anyone can give you that you can buy a book you can you can google that it goes mm-hmm. much deeper with mums it's about permission to nurture themselves to mother themselves it's about someone holding space for them so that they can offload how hard it is and how mm-hmm. challenging it is as well as saying, okay, this is what we need to do. These are the deficiencies. This is what we need to get into your body. How are we going to make that work given your day-to-day? It's not enough just to to give a woman say, right, this is what you need to do. See you later. See you in six weeks. Bye. Mm. I see women every week, every two weeks, every three weeks. And we go, okay, that's not working. What are we going to do? What can we tweak? What can we shift? Where in your day can we make this work? So that she's changing habits. And that's really powerful because you want... you want, you want habits to be changed slowly because that's when they stick <laughs> as a mum. Yeah.
1: yeah, and you're hand-holding them, like yeah. guiding them through that journey. Yeah. yeah. How did we get to a place where nutrition isn't on the agenda at all? Like I've heard that GPs get, you know, like a half a day training mm-hmm. in nutrition. And yeah. in school, we learn about proteins, fats, and carbs. We don't learn about vitamins and minerals necessarily in depth how do we get like this and how is it changing?
0: I have a client at the moment who's a GP actually, and we've had this conversation and she was saying she got about six hours uh, nutrition training when she was going through medical school. I think part of the problem is that there's, for a long time, I think there's been this sense that nutrition is somehow an alternative therapy, which is crazy to me. It's (laughs) It's fundamental. You know, food is not just fuel. It is It is information for ourselves. You know, it is how we heal. It's how we grow. It's how we thrive. So I think it's societally, we don't put enough focus on it from a young age. So even from school age, I think it's improving in some schools, but I think often it's to do with funding and having someone come in and talk to kids, Mm -hmm. but teaching them, okay, this is why we want to eat the rainbow. This is why protein is really important. It's okay that we like sugar, but this is why it doesn't, It doesn't always make us feel good. You know, all of these things, you know, what we've learned as children, we model for our kids. Mm. So often what I'm dealing with when a woman comes to see me is a disordered approach to eating. She's not got an eating disorder, but the way she approaches food is disordered. And it's often learned from through childhood. So my my initial consultation goes right back to childhood because I want to understand what's brought her to this place. And it's always going to be you know, I've heard everything. I've heard mums who weighed their daughters once a week. I've heard through no fault of their own, didn't know how to cook. So, you know, it was always ready meals. You know, it's about our approach to food. And I think we don't have this sense of food as nourishment. It's just food is fuel or, or pleasure, but pleasure in a kind of junk food is pleasure. Sugar is mm. pleasure. So it's, I think we just, it's a bit screwed up, really.
1: <laughs> yeah. And you remind me, I used to work in advertising and I worked on the Change for Life campaign, actually. For anyone that doesn't know, in the UK, it is a kind of a government-led educational program for families and stuff. And, you know, we, we would be coming up with recipes and uh, leaflets and stuff to help support families educate with education. And sometimes we'd have to, like, dumb down our word because families didn't know what broccoli was and they didn't have spatulas and they had like maybe one pan in the house. And I'm talking about the CDE uh, demographic of society, but there's so many people in that space that really don't have access to knowledge about food. And they have been in that kind of the childhood experience of where the the microwave meal and the the busy working parents and the McDonald's, you know, a couple of times a week and stuff. And there are efforts out there to change, but it just doesn't feel maybe quick enough does it
0: like it's just yeah and i think i think it's you know teaching people to cook knowing how to cook or being intimidated by cooking Mm -hmm. you know you can cook a healthy meal in 10 to 15 minutes it doesn't have you don't spend hours in the kitchen my clients don't have time to spend hours in the kitchen you know gps are overworked we know this what we want ideally is to have nutritionists in every gp surgery so if you go to a gp and say i've got terrible pms i don't have good skin you know, you've got diabetes, all of these things can be supported in nutrition. We can reverse diabetes, we can clear skin with through diet without drugs. You know, PMS. I haven't had a client yet that I haven't resolved their PMS in three cycles. Wow, but these will be women who have been doubled over with pain or their PMS is debilitating in terms of their mood it can be supported. Often it's nutritional deficiencies, often small changes to their diet can help, but they would have been put on the pill at 15 because Mm -hmm. of heavy bleeds. They would have been told to take more painkillers, whatever it is, or given antidepressants because their mood is so poor. So I feel like we need to combine our skill sets. There's a powerful role. Of course, there is for medicine, but a holistic approach can often work alongside. It doesn't have to be an either or.
1: Yeah, and I see that happening in America actually. A lot of um GPs are using tapping now. And I presume as well there are more holistic GPs out there. And I definitely think there's a there's a gap in the market for any GP listening. You know, there's definitely a really good good option and approach. How do you define healthy? And how do you get to understanding what that is and and allowing your mindset to go to healthy other, you know, instead of weight loss or or even just having no
0: awareness at all? I love that question. So how do you define healthy? So for me, health is energy. Energy is everything. That's at the heart of what I do. Healthy is vibrancy. It's happiness. It's being loved. I think healthy for a lot of people, you know, if someone says in January, oh, I'm on a health kick. Mm. Oh, you know, it it goes with a side order of, oh, it means eating lettuce and not eating anything fun. So we need to change that mindset. For me, healthy means feeling amazing. Why wouldn't you want to feel amazing? So it's how do you want to feel? That's usually where I start. How do you want to feel? What's your energy out of 10 today? What are you eating? What can we do to support you getting towards that goal of feeling amazing? So for a lot of people, feeling well is something that they can't quite picture because their normal is exhaustion. Yeah. Or then normal is feeling like the day is a struggle. So it starts with how do you feel and how do you want to feel. Mm. You mentioned weight loss. That's a huge one for me. So many women want to lose weight, and we all. I always say I don't do weight loss programs. I don't come at nutrition from that perspective. Other nutritionists do. For me, it's about a healthy relationship with food, and that means no food is good no food is bad, no food is banned, no shoulds, and also breaking out of their mindset of that's a treat. So my treat in the evening is two glasses of red wine. My treat in the evening is that bar of chocolate. How does that make you feel? So if that treat means that you don't sleep as well, which means you're tireder in the morning, which means that you, don't, you have less energy, which means that you're you're reaching for high sugar sugar foods or caffeinated foods to get you through the day. Let's rewind. Was that a treat for your body? What I find often with clients is that we make changes. They feel so, so much better. And then they'll go, well, I'm going away for the weekend with the girls. It's like fair play. Go and eat, drink what you want. You know, there's no, go, enjoy. And they'll come back to me a week later and go, I did. I drank everything and I ate everything and I felt like shit. And then they'll go, it wasn't worth it. It's the balance point. It's, so it's not not drinking wine. It's not not eating chocolate. It's saying, what is healthy? What is a treat for, a treat for my body? is nourishment mm-hmm. and self-love and feeling amazing. And within that, we find the space to say, yeah, and I get to enjoy red wine sometimes, but I don't rely on it. I love chocolate. I love cake, but I don't need it. It's not numbing anything for me. So it's all about that relationship with food as well. So healthy is about feeling the best you can. Amazing. And yeah.
1: so rewarding for people who come out of the other side of that fatigue feeling. You know, I, I have mums in my head that I know who are in that state of chronic fatigue and have tried everything, but maybe not everything. You know, I suppose maybe
0: nutrition isn't the first thing people think of. I think it's also a lot of the time we can't see the wood for the trees. So I have a client at the moment. She just came to me. She's really switched on but she's been exhausted forever and her, she has a two-year-old and she came to me and said, I've got all these books and I've got all these supplements, but I don't feel any better. And we've been working together for, I think, less than two months and she's feeling brilliant. And she said to me this week, I thought I was an introvert and it turned out I was just exhausted. I've been exhausted for so long. She said, Thalia, I've, I've been calling other mums to make play dates. I, I didn't. I found this confidence, and it was. But it's been born from her wow. energy. This is what we talk about. Energy is everything. Energy isn't just about getting out of bed and feeling alert, which is brilliant. That's a great goal. But it's what comes from that energy. What do you get to do from that energy? Whether it's work or love life or your whatever it is, it's what comes from." That. So she was just overwhelmed by the options for feeling better. So for her, for example, it was a case of postnatal depletion. She had been exhausted since she had her baby. So it's two years down the line. And so we just did we did some tests, we had a look at what's going on. We just replenished her accordingly. Without guessing, she's doing great. And we Amazing. haven't finished yet.
1: First of all, you were kind of reminding me that really what you're doing is getting people back to their true selves and possibly have not connected to that for quite some time, depending on kind of where things have gone on in the past few years. And then also you mentioned tests. So what kind of tests do you do? How do you like, are, do you do blood tests? What kind of first, things do you do? Yeah, for the
0: first, often I'll often just send um, a mum to her GP and say, right, let's just do some basic tests and see if there's anything clearly obvious. Do you have hypothyroidism? Do you, you have low B12? Is your folate low? Is your blood sugar okay? What's your vitamin D doing? All of those basic things. And then we work from there. And then we may do more tests later. If someone has chronic gut problems, we might do a stool test. If someone has chronic fatigue, ongoing fatigue that isn't shifting after a little bit of work, then we might do more blood tests. We might do urine tests, which show all sorts of things as well. Mm -hmm. So there's lots of ways to explore what's going on in the body at a cellular level, what deficiencies are going on, what's happening in the gut. That's really powerful for mood, for example so yeah. yeah but but often we don't need to get to tests and basic blood tests will show us okay we've ruled that out we know we need to do a bit of work on that let's see what we can do and invariably mums are feeling better within three months much 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 better
1: amazing what's coming to mind is the long covid fatigue mm. are you dealing with mums with that at the moment
0: yeah i am unfortunately i had yeah. talking to a client last night and she's, she's had covid november time and she's still feeling fatigued and with long covid it's we're learning as we go. Mm. You know, there's been a huge amount really um, of research in my field, in my industry, since 2020, supporting clients with long COVID. So much work trying to understand what drives that fatigue, what's going on. Is it inflammatory? Is it is it, it's just a post-viral? Is it like a chronic fatigue syndrome? What you know, what's going on? Is it like mm. a fibromyalgia? Because Women are losing their hair, their periods are going to, you know, going to hell. They have joint pain, there's headaches, you know, all of these things. So it is, to a degree, it is a sort of a person by person thing. But usually I do run pretty detailed blood tests, I have to say. If someone's come to me with long COVID, not your just GP blood tests, to try and work out what we can see, what we can support. But the problem, of course, is when you're trying to recover from something, you're trying to do it within your mum life. For my clients mm-hmm. so it's not like someone saying to you listen you go and just rest for three months <laughs> you just take to bed you are trying to recover while doing pet lunches and the school run and probably working whatever it is yeah and getting up in the night yeah you know so that's so hard so much harder
1: yeah even when we had covid uh christmas a year ago and we both had it at the same time and we had the two boys at home you know isolating my god it was just like literally got two hours of sleep and then we tag teamed and it was, I mean, we would have recovered, I'd say, a lot quicker had we just both been able to chill on the couch, watch Netflix and sleep. Yeah. And I think your body needs the sleep, doesn't it? But if you're, yeah. do you find that people come to you because they actually are suffering from insomnia and are unable to sleep even when they're exhausted?
0: When you think about nutritional therapy, people often think that I'm all about what you eat. Food is the focus of what I do, of course. But actually, when we talk about health, when we talk about well-being, when we talk about vibrancy, what's at the heart of that is not just what's on our plate. Sleep is just so important. Mm-hmm. So for the problem for a lot of people that come to see me, the mums are that their sleep is broken or that they have never quite recovered from those years of broken sleep. Yeah. So absolutely, we want to work on sleep. And there's all sorts of ways to support sleep. You know, some women wake up at two in the morning why are they waking up at two in the morning is it they need support with their liver is that's when our body does a lot of detoxification at night do they need liver support is their blood sugar low what are they eating last thing at night are they intermittent fasting so they're not eating after six o'clock but they really need to have something at bedtime that can be transformational for sleep you know again is it nutritional deficiency sometimes we put in a couple of key key nutrients and sleep is transformed so there's so much we can do to sleep. You know, even sleep hygiene is really important. So, you know, what do you do in that hour and a half before bed? Are you scrolling on your phone? We know that the blue light from our phones or from laptops can affect our sleep quality. Mm-hmm. You know, is your room dark enough? Do you keep tech out of the bedroom? All of these things, you know, we often, we have those routines with our babies, don't we, that are just sacrosanct. <laughs> that routine, keep the routine. It's yeah. usually it usually starts Backout about five lines. about five o'clock when they're really tiny and it ends at mm. 8 30. But you know, it's that routine of because we are sending them, they're learning the message to wind down and get ready for sleep. But we don't do it as adults. So often I will say to <laughs> no. my clients, right, what is your routine? I want you to establish a routine and you're going to do exactly the same thing every night. So I uh, trust me, in a month, six weeks, when you go to make that lemon balm tea, your body's gonna go, oh. I know what comes next. We're going to sleep. We're going to go to sleep, (laughs) even if it's not for an hour and a half and you'll start to wind down and your sleep will improve. So often it's that we are literally working or stressing or scrolling right up to bedtime. And then we wonder why we don't sleep well. So if you've got babies waking you up, oh, I can't do anything about that. I wish I could. Mm -hmm. But if your sleep is is, uh, consistently broken and it's not because of small children, then that's something we can work on.
1: Amazing. Like the other night I went to bed at eight o'clock and I did... A long me- meditation, and it was one of these like journeys that you go on. And I passed out in the middle of it, and then I woke up. You know, as they bring you back round, it was probably about an hour, an hour and a half. And then I got up and I brushed my teeth and got like cream on my face and everything. I went back to bed and I sat through. The boys didn't wake till half seven the next day, like miracle. And my watch told me that I had been asleep for nearly 10 and a half hours because it had counted that deep kind of meditation, and I. Bounded out of bed yep. yesterday. Yep. I did a workout. I it was just amazing, and today I still feel amazing, even though I got less sleep today. See, yeah, it's just sleep is huge. I it's don't think so, we put enough so value
0: cool. on it. Absolutely, you know. The truth is that if if a woman comes to see me and her sleep is really, really bad, I know that I can sort out her diet. She can eat beautifully, but if we don't sort the sleep, she's not going to feel better. We have to sort the sleep.
1: That's foundational
0: to our well-being.
1: Yeah, I love it. It's such a holistic approach, you know, as you've got to take into account all aspects of life.
0: And the other thing I would say, which is massive, is stress. Mm -hmm. It's a massive whatever age you are. But for my clients who are primarily in their late 30s and their 40s, we talk about the stress bucket. How's your stress bucket? How's your self-care bucket? The self-care bucket is always empty and the stress bucket is always <laughs> overflowing. And yep. again, we know that stress has such a huge impact on our health in terms of our hormonal balance, our gut health, all of these things. You know, when we are perpetually adrenalized, we are always stressed, we can't feel well. So it's about bringing those things together. That's why it takes time. You know, what is it that we can do? What can you release? What can you let go of? How can you support your stress? What could you do? So I have a six month group program and it's for women in their forties who are perimenopausal. And we have someone who comes in and does tapping. And we have someone Mm. who comes in and a life coach and talks about values and empowerment. We have someone who comes and talks about exercise. You know, all of these elements are part of how we achieve that vibrancy. It's not just about eating more broccoli. It's not just about eating a bit of kale and quinoa. It's about an overall well-being, but we have to prioritise our well-being without guilt, knowing that that's okay. That's okay. And it starts with that permission, always Mm. starts with that permission. And usually when a woman comes to see me, she's called me, she's reached that point. I get it. I need to look after me. I've had enough. I can't feel like this anymore. I can't bear another year of this, another five years of this. But sometimes it's just talking to lovely people like you and a woman will hear this and she'll go, oh, I don't have to feel this way. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that, that, that that shift starts to happen.
1: The eyes open and, you know, <laughs> you yeah. think, oh, wow, there's, there's a brighter future, a more <laughs> vibrant future I could live. Yeah, sometimes I do future self meditations mm. with clients, you know, and bring them to meet their future self. And that's just so powerful mm. when they get really positive messages and guidance from them. But, yeah, I'm glad to hear you've got tapping in there because I was going to yes. say that... Tapping obviously reduces the cortisol and the adrenaline really quickly, which can I have a sleep tapping meditation on YouTube for people to just bring themselves back down to close the tabs in the mind to stop worrying about how much sleep I'm going to get. What if I wake up when I you know what if I can't get to sleep if I wake up again? Some people go to sleep with all that anxiety about sleep before they've even closed their eyes. So yeah it's a fantastic tool and meditation and anything anything that can wind you down and Mm de-stress you. So you mentioned there the perimenopause leading up to to the menopause and that's something that is going to become more of a focus for me as I you know I'm 40 this year I'm sure the signs and changes are going to be coming for me soon so you know I would need to educate myself more. It's not something I, I didn't even know about the perimenopause until like six months ago. It just seems to be so it's no one talks about it, no one talks about it and then it's all you hear about at That's, a certain age. Yeah. <laughs> so tell me, how do you support your moms in
0: that journey? So for women who are listening going, I still don't know what is perimenopause. So, so I always say that menopause is the destination. Menopause is defined as 12 consecutive months without a period. So once you've had those 12 consecutive months, you are theoretically postmenopausal, you've reached menopause. But the journey to, to that point can take years. So for some women, it's four years, some women, it's six, some women, it's 10 years. So if you think the average age of menopause in the UK is around 51, 52. That means there's a lot of women in their late 30s, early 40s who are perimenopausal. So what does that mean? That might be changes to your cycle, it could be skin changes. You know, there are something I think there are, 34 recognized symptoms of perimenopause it might be mood mood changes it might be digestive changes and for sure it's going to be changes to your cycle it might be your cycles going a little shorter a little longer a little less reliable you're always 28 days and now some months it's 30 some months it's 24 days Mm -hmm. you know it's just these it's the body changing so for some women it's not problematic but for some women they will feel these differences your age and go to their GP and be told, well, you're not, you know, you're too young for, for menopause. So mm. away you go. Here's some antidepressants for the palpitations oh, or God. beta blockers for the pe- palpitations. You know, it might be that you are feeling um, hot, you know, the n- night sweats can start for some women in their early mid forties. So how do we support it? It's again, it's that it's a body systems approach. It is, we think about the foundations to our health. We think about our sleep, our diet, our movement, our breath. We think about how we can nourish ourselves at a deeper level. So yes, absolutely what we're eating, what supplements might support us, what are we doing to look after ourselves? We know that stress is so key to hormonal balance. That is a really valuable area to address and focus on in perimenopause. Um, Because the less stressed you are, the easier you'll manage the transition, basically. Even if that transition is it might be three years for you, but it might be five, six, seven years. That's a long time to put up with not feeling well,
1: and especially if you don't under, if you don't link it to the perimenopause, if you just think like something's wrong with me, or or just this is how I am now, um, then you could be living in like a suboptimal life. Yeah. You're, you're not thriving, are you? Because your awareness isn't there, or the prioritization isn't there, and I suppose. Perhaps luckily at that point in your life, maybe your children are getting a little bit more independent. Maybe they're sleeping a little bit more. So maybe you have the time to prioritize yourself in that way and to support yourself. I mean, gosh, you really want to enjoy your 40s and beyond, don't you? You know, this is the the, we've worked so hard to raise our kids, to have more me time at that point and maybe you're you know facing a career change or you're you know doing something different for yourself and then to to not have the body that's supporting that drive or that the ambition would be really difficult
0: I'm 47 this year wow you um, don't look it at all (laughs) (laughs) and for me I see my 40s has been like this amazing journey partly because I've, I've founded my business partly because of raising my boys but also a, a sort of a self-discovery journey and, and optimizing how i feel and really leaning into other ways of my well-being so for me that's you know whether that's breath work or tapping or yoga all these things that have been supplementary to the nutrition which is the foundation of of my health you know mm-hmm. but what i do with my clients is say look your Fortis is is the most incredible opportunity to like you say, you may have a little bit more time, your children may be a little bit more independent. This is a window in time. You want to, I plan to have a fantastic fifties and the foundations are being laid now. Mm. You know, it's, it, it just feels, I'm so passionate about this. It makes me so frustrated when I see women just stumbling through the years, feeling not, you know, just, just not feeling well and thinking that's normal. This is your life. This is your life. You know, I lost, I lost, I've lost two friends in the last four years. And mm-hmm. my 40th birthday, I, I did lots of little celebrations because I'm not one for big parties. And I went out to dinner with three close friends, three girlfriends from close where I live. Uh, so that was 2015. Two of them are gone. One died of cancer in 2020, and one died of sepsis after having flu mm-hmm. in 2018. And that was very powerful the the grief particularly when joe died in 2018 she had three boys under seven at the time that was such a shake-up for all of us my boys were still really tiny as well we are not invincible we think we are because we need to be but we're not we have to look to our own well-being too Mm -hmm. so both of their deaths were tragic it shook me up enough to say you know what this feels like a really Important thing that I'm doing. This is. I feel like I feel like I'm doing it for for them. And actually, Sinead, who died in 2020, uh, was a nutritionist as well. And we, she and I, sat after Joe died, sort of two years before. We sat down. She was a mum of three as well, and we sat and talked about Joe, and we talked about our well-being and and all this knowledge we have and sharing it. oh you know. And she's gone now, and it just feels like yeah. I feel like I have a mission, so I will preach about this from anywhere you put me about the importance of holding your well-being sacred. You are too important. You are the centre of the universe for your family. And sometimes life is shit and terrible things happen, but we do get to decide whether to look after ourselves each day and live the best life we can as well.
1: Oh my God, I feel like on the verge of tears here. It's so, so powerful. And, you know, I suppose it's similar to me, like my trauma and the loss of our daughter brought me to tapping and brought me the passion to help people manage their emotions, to help people feel well and to thrive and to feel joy and let love in. And and you're doing that from a a holistic body perspective, I suppose, it is so, so powerful. The upside I presume of of looking after ourselves is a healthier future, as in we're not gonna get ill. Or if we get ill, we maybe have the tools to support ourselves do you work with people maybe that have more chronic illness, like cancer and things like that? I
0: don't work with cancer there. Cancer is a very sort of specialist
1: right, okay. in
0: nutrition. So I would always refer someone on to, to a nutritionist. But again, okay. it's, it can be a very powerful adjunct to traditional treatment, really helpful But I think you're right. I think, you know, this is the idea of, of setting ourselves up to feel the best we can for the years that are coming, our 50s, mm-hmm. our 60s, our 70s, if we're so lucky, you know. How can we just feel the best that we can
1: so we've talked about the into the motherhood journey piece and and into the early stages of perimenopause what about for the the mom who's listening who's on a conception journey or the the mom to be what advice
0: would you give her i would say that it takes 12 months to make a baby and because it takes about 4 months for an egg to mature it takes around 2 to 3 months for sperm to produce as in its producing cycle so about a 2 to 3 month cycle So actually what we do preconceptually is really, really important. It can be really helpful. So diet and lifestyle leading up to conception is important. And actually the advice I would give you is very similar to the advice we've talked about in terms of how else to manage your day-to-day. So make sure you're eating lots of protein. Protein is really important for good egg quality, really important. load up on rain on the rainbow fruits and vegetables so when you go to the supermarket you want to be really thinking do i have red and yellow and orange and purple do i have some black like aubergines blackberries what can i put in my trolley that really nourishes me so when we eat the rainbow we are filling our body with wonderful phytochemicals which are again really helpful for overall health leading up to conception and those healthy fats we can talk about healthy fats being important for hormonal balance It's the same when we are approaching conception. So Mm. nuts, seeds, eggs, oily fish, if you feel happy to eat it a couple of times a week, you know, all of those things make them part of your day-to-day. So it's really coming to conception from a place of excitement and nourishment for ourselves as well with a view to making that really healthy baby. Amazing. And
1: then I presume once you get pregnant, it's continuing to feed yourself and the baby those amazing nutrients.
0: Absolutely. I mean, the truth is, the first trimester. I think women put so much pressure on themselves. I mean, my God, I was sick as a dog. Yeah. Um, twice. I could barely keep anything down. So for me, it was sort of vinegar, chipsticks, and lightly boiled eggs, which you know, and Good. we're told not, we're told not to have lightly boiled eggs but literally all like so, so do you know what i kind of say you can keep it down take your your pregnancy multi make sure you're getting your folic acid or your ideally folate from dark green leafy veg but you know your good quality pregnancy multi and some healthy like a fish oil if you can stomach it if you can't just do the best you can and then when you start feeling better around 16 weeks that's when you'll really enjoy food again and that's when most women take so much delight in eating well because you know what? The focus isn't them, it's their baby. It's actually the key thing is keeping that going when the baby comes. Yes. You know, with so much focus on mothering skills and not maternal well-being. So remember that the, you know, nourish you too. Baby maybe needs you to be nourished too. So keep that stuff. Because I think it just falls off a cliff when we bring home that tiny human, understandably. But you know, ask for help. I, I always say to new mums, when someone rings and says, Can I come and see the baby? Say, absolutely, would you bring some food? <laughs> Would you bring some fresh bring fruit? Me some healthy. If you're happy to cook me a meal, that would be amazing. You don't need more flowers or baby grows. You need, you, need <laughs> you know, make sure you're hydrated. Always keep a bottle of water and a bowl of berries and nuts next to you when you're feeding. It's what you can grab. You're not going to sit down and have meals. That's not yeah. realistic and that's okay. But it's getting the good stuff in where you can and asking for help with that. It's amazing. It's just,
1: you've given their permission, isn't it? You know, We, we give ourselves permission to look after ourselves when we're pregnant. But then we don't apply the same permission once the baby's here. And that's, yeah. that's significant, isn't yeah. it? Like Because then our attention is on the baby and not, not within us. And I suppose it's, right. it's bringing that attention back to us as a priority. Yeah. And then yeah. when the baby's happy and fed. Yeah, absolutely. Once we can look after ourselves.
0: Yeah, I think that is, it becomes habitual. There's almost, you know, I think it's inevitable when we bring home a baby, you know, that almost neglect, self-neglect. because you're just trying to keep this tiny human alive. You're making sure they're sleeping. You're pouring all this love into that. And that's how it's meant to be. But in those months, those early months, that's often when we forget about ourselves. And that becomes the new habit. That becomes uh. the new. And it's from then. And we're exhausted. And then you find that the baby's six months or a year. Even if the baby's sleeping better, you're still not feeling great.
1: Yeah.
0: And it's, yeah. it's remembering if we ate... When our baby was a year old, if we instinctively went back to eating the way we ate when we were pregnant, we'd feel so much better. But we don't think about it like that. Yeah. Because the focus wasn't on us in pregnancy. It was, it was um, growing this beautiful baby.
1: Thank you. That's brilliant advice. And I'm sure will help so many. Where does a knackered mum start right now? Listen to this going, OK, right. These girls are talking sense. This is ringing through, true to me now. Where do I start?
0: Start with how do you want to feel? And start with how you feel right now. Mm-hmm. And, you know, how do you want to feel? So I love that, the exercise you talked about, about your future self. Mm. I do that with my clients. I, you know, how do you want to feel at 50? That's what I do with a lot of my clients. Picture how. what is she wearing? What is she smelling? What is she, what does her heart feel like? What is she looking at? Where do you want to get to? And then that's a, quite a powerful, powerful motivational tool. Day to day, it's going to start with, okay, what am I eating? Do I do anything for myself? how stressed am I? So for me, for me as a nutritionist, I'll say, okay, real basics. Are you having breakfast? What are you eating for breakfast every day? Let's change your breakfast for seven days and see how you feel because I bet it will help. If you're eating toast and jam every day, if you're eating a bowl of simple porridge every day, and by 9.30, you're, you're feeling tired and you're looking to snack and you're reaching for a coffee, let's rewind a little bit let's improve your breakfast let's put some protein in there make sure you have some protein in the morning have some healthy fats in the morning and let's see how you feel in a week and then you'll feel a little bit better and you go do you know what I could probably cut back on that coffee I maybe don't need that coffee well, I don't need the third coffee I can just do two and you know <laughs> what those biscuits do I need them well I don't need them I quite want them but I won't have I'm not so hungry so maybe I'll just have two Mm. it's tiny steps it's small yeah. changes consistently change yeah it's habit yeah. but breakfast is start with breakfast i have breakfast. a free i have a free recipe download on my website breakfast in five minutes it does not have to take a long time do you know
1: i downloaded that and it is beautiful like the, the photography and the layout and everything is, is stunning. And some be- I just really want to try the peach and butter and toast. <laughs> that <laughs> looks amazing. It's ready in two minutes. You know. Oh God. So I have been working on my breakfasts and I have to say something that you mentioned as well in the download is that I have a protein smoothie now every morning and I add some nuts and chia seeds and yogurt. So additional yogurt and I make it with coconut milk. And when I have those days, the rest of the day is so much healthier, mm. and when I start the day with a pan of chocolate or a slice of toast, yeah, I am quite cry- like it's like the Pringle analogy, you know. Once you pop, you can't stop. Mm. When I have that sugar hit in the morning, I will be chasing the sugar all day, and then when I have the protein in the morning, that
0: urge just isn't there. Yeah. And the reason is that you're managing your blood sugar. So when we have those days where we've had our caffeine and we've had our pan of chocolate, what happens is our blood sugar spikes, it shoots up. And then because we haven't eaten anything that takes very long to break down in our body, our blood sugar plummets. I'm and, hungry that, again. and we're hungry again, yeah. but we're, we're really hungry and we really need energy. So we're going to reach for something that gives us a quick energy because our brain's saying, Oh, I really need this now. I'm a little quick. bit shaky. Yeah. I'm a little bit hungry. I need something. And so that's what we do. And up goes the blood sugar and that's great for a couple of hours and that's it. That's the cycle. And you will, you will get stuck in that cycle every day, all day. And then if you start the day with a breakfast that releases low, so, so slow and en- slower energy release. You sort of having that roller coaster picture of a blood sugar. You're going to be a little bit more gentle, a little bit undulating rather than peaks and troughs. And so you feel calmer. You make you feel able to make better choices for your for your food. And honestly, I ha- I've said this a million times, and people go, "It's not that simple." And they will come back to me a week later and go, "Oh, I've stopped snacking. I I <laughs> i, I I've, I'm having less coffee. My mood is better. And it's just been from making a really simple change to their breakfast." Just that. That's incredible. I mean, that's something anybody can do, right? Yes, like, absolutely. You, you know what? To... And it doesn't have to be expensive. We don't need to do nuts and chia seeds. They're yeah. amazing. They're fantastic powerhouses of nutrition. But you know what? Scrambled eggs on toast with a handful of berries or an apple. I've yeah. timed scrambled eggs. It takes less than three minutes to make scrambled eggs on toast. <laughs> Everyone has three minutes in the morning.
1: And can't your kids also have scrambled eggs too? Yeah, because exactly. I noticed too when my sons, you I mean, they've, they struggle with breakfast sometimes. One's hungry and one isn't when they wake up. Often it's an empty Rice crispy bowl that they have. But the days that they'll have the scrambled egg or sometimes beans on toast, mm.
0: it's a, their mood is so much better for the day. Yeah, absolutely. So French toast is always a winner in my house. That's what I did for my kids this morning So because they got the egg in there. But it's got some maple syrup and I'll put some berries on the side Amazing. and a glass of milk and they're, they're happy. And I know that that's a really big thing in my house. Set I set up for the day. Yeah, I don't bother. The, the weekends, we're more relaxed about breakfast. But weekdays when they're going to school, especially my son's at secondary school, he eats mm. rubbish at school with the touch of his thumb. I want to make sure he's leaving the house. So it will be scrambled egg. It will be eggs and beans. It will be, I do protein pancakes, which are ground oats and egg and And if I'm feeling, if I've got time, I'll put in some tahini or I'll put in some ground almonds and they're like kind of cakes. They're almost drop scones kind of thing, flat pancakes. And so I'll do that a couple of times a week and they're great because you can add anything to them. You can add berry powders to them for vitamin C, you know, you can add ground nuts or whatever. Breakfast for our kids as well is so important. You'll notice that for their, for their energy and their alertness and their concentration as well. It's the same for them as it is for us.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Brilliant. Well, that's a really good place to start. So the you mentioned earlier too about hormones and, you know, moving into the menopause and, and how hormones are, I suppose, key to how we ride the wave of the perimenopause. How do we manage our hormones? Is, is
0: it with nutrition or can we su- use supplements as well? Food first. Always food first. So for our hormones, it depends what stage, where we are. So we might not be perimenopausal, obviously, Mm. but if we're in our 40s, let's assume we might be perimenopausal. There are different stages to perimenopause. So the key players for us as women are our estrogen and our progesterone. So as we go through our 40s, they fluctuate at different levels. And it's those fluctuations that usually cause the symptoms we might experience, like menstrual migraines. That's a huge one for 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 women. Headaches, you know, with the mid-cycle or towards the end of the um, cycle. It might be, you know, those moods where you will cry your eyes out at the drop of a hat or the rage. When a woman comes to me and says, Thalia, I'm so raging, I will think, okay, perimenopause. So rage mm. tends to be, for me, it's that extreme. It's not just that I'm a bit grumpy. It's something more extreme than that. And so then we're looking at, okay, so what, what are you eating? What's your blood sugar doing? That's the basics. What, you know, are you eating enough protein? That's usually a game changer for most women. Are you having any healthy fats? Some women don't eat any healthy fats. They're mm. scared of fat. They've been raised to, to eat low fat because fat is bad. Yeah, It's not bad. You need it. It's really important for our mental health, for our hormonal health. So are you eating nuts and seeds? Are you eating avocados? I'm not talking bags of them a day. I'm talking a couple of palmfuls of nuts. Yeah. You know, ground flax seeds are wonderful. A couple of tablespoons a day in our smoothie or in our porridge or what can we do to increase your, your your diet at a basic level and then we're exploring what else is playing into that hormone imbalance so for some women you know we can't put in hormones that aren't there anymore especially as we get into our later 40s so all we can do is to support the body for example to um, metabolize and excrete our estrogen really effectively for example if we have very high oestrogen levels and we aren't having a poo every day, what might be happening is that that oestrogen is not being excreted. It might be being reabsorbed into the body and it's causing mischief. It might be causing heavy bleeds. It might be causing sore boobs, for example. So we want to be looking at your liver health your gut health, your digestive health, what's going on. So it's very much, again, a body systems approach. It starts with how you're eating. Supplements are really useful. So for hot flushes, the the basics are things like how much you're drinking, how much sugar you're eating, are you getting enough protein, that kind of thing. And then there are lots of of ways, lots of nutrients, lots of herbs particularly that can support those symptoms. But you can't out-supplement a bad diet. Mm -hmm. Okay, you can't. (laughs) Supplements... Hints in the name. There are supplements to your diet. They're not a replacement for a diet. So if your stress levels are off the charts, if you're not sleeping well, and your diet's poor, you can take the best supplements in the world, but you're not going to feel any better because your body's not going to assimilate them. It can't break them down, and it won't be enough for what your body needs.
1: Wow, that's so interesting. Because as I mentioned before, we chatted, I kind of was grown up on the the supplement. There was almost an area above the microwave, and then it became a cupboard of supplements. And I remember taking cayenne pepper in water as a kid before school. I mean, my boys, if I gave them cayenne pepper in the morning, (laughs) they'd literally spit it on my face. I don't know how I did that. and I don't think it lasted very long. I do remember it was short-lived trial in the house. (laughs) Possibly because we were like... It sounds
0: like your mum was really engaged in well-being.
1: Yeah, no, definitely. She was very alternative and, you know, was into aromatherapy and all that. We had all the nice oils and everything in the house. And now, as subsequently, I have got back into supplementing myself and I'm taking... For the first time, I've actually started to take an omega-3 because I've read that it will help with the perimenopause and I have vitamin D in that omega-3. What else am I taking? So recently, when I went to Ireland, I had extremely cracked and painful sides of my mouth. I couldn't understand why, because I thought, is this a cold sore? I don't feel run down. I, I, my energy is good. I had been eating well in the build up and exercising, so I didn't feel bad. And then I did a bit of research and realized my vitamin B might not be so hot, and I'm a vegetarian. So I frog marched to the health food shop over there and got myself a, a high mega absorb or something vitamin b multivitamin b and so yeah so i suppose you know our body's giving us signals all the time but if you're yes. not paying attention it, and also it's very hard to know what to do i mean i did try zivorix first mm. and then i had to go get something else but again all the 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 pharmacy and the doctor is just like the solution piece not the cause piece yes So, I suppose what you can help with is that very personalized and individual approach to each, everyone's individual
0: status. Yeah. And you mentioned sort of what was your body telling you. So, I think the body does, it's very clever. It's incredible. Our bodies are incredible. (laughs) They really are the way they can regenerate and restore and protect us and, you know, what our immune system does every day. But in terms of, you know, what is our body telling us? Say, for example, is our skin dry? Do we have period pain? Do we have dandruff? Do we have. Did I say dry skin? Did I just say dry skin? I can't remember. <laughs> Perry brain. You know, that might be the body's way of saying, hello, I need some omegas. I need some healthy fats. Get them into me. Eat oily fish twice a week. Take a, an algae supplement if you don't want to take fish oil. You know, do I have any nuts and seeds in my diet? Okay, what else is going on? What are the, you know, what's my tongue doing? What's, you know, I'm, have I got let, restless legs at night? That could be a sign of a deficiency, a particular B deficiency. What are my headaches telling me? You know, the body is sending signals all the time. We just have to pay attention. Sometimes the first signal is fatigue, real constant fatigue. What is my, what does my body need? What am I not putting in? What am I not giving it? So yes, the body—it's There's a million ways. So i, I give a, a questionnaire to every client before they start working with me, and it's you know a couple of pages long, and they just have to tick things. And those ticks are symptoms and signs. And I look at it and go, okay, their zinc is low. They don't have enough healthy fats. Their B12 is low. You know they need more B6. You know whatever it is, the body is telling us.
1: You know, there's so many things we can do, and our body's telling us signals all the time. But it can be overwhelming to try and figure out where to go. So I suppose that's where you come in.
0: And do you you have group programs, and you work one to one as well? I do, I do. I work one to one with women over three months or six months, and then I have my signature group program, which is called Naked to Nourished. Um, I'm opening the doors um, in a couple of weeks, uh, there's a wait list at the moment, which is really exciting. And um, I open the doors to that a couple of times a year. But, you know, you can join my free Facebook group, my Nourish Mum Meetup, which is a really lovely community of just knackered like, mums all coming together and sharing and supporting each other. And I share health tips and recipes and go on there and, you know, sh- share my mum life, which is chaotic and you know, frantic as well. And how I try and, I really, I'm very honest and how I try and manage my health within the clamor of it all, you know.
1: Brilliant. Well, I will put in the show notes, a link to the Facebook group, your Instagram details. And then obviously you have some free resources as well on your website mm. that people can go and check out. So I'll link to all of that. Thank you. And thank you so much for helping reframe health and giving us a light at the end of the tunnel for vibrancy and, and high energy and moving into our the later stages of life with the energy to enjoy it.
0: Absolutely. And it's it's, it's possible, Sarah, I promise you it's possible. <laughs>
1: I know. I'm feeling it. I am feeling it. And yeah, I'm going to continue to improve and I'm going to join your group and learn more. Wonderful. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, not at all. Thank you again so much. Thank you so much for your time today. And I really hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did, please like, subscribe and maybe leave a review too. I work with women all over the world, helping them to leave the trauma of the past behind let go of limiting beliefs, step into their power and create the futures that they desire. To find out more about me, visit my website, tappingformoms.com. You can work with me one-to-one. You could join my Tapping Into Motherhood membership and community, or you can tap along with me for free on YouTube. Just search Tapping For Mums. Hope to see you next time and have a wonderful day.